0: Morning, church. Morning. This uh, Sunday school teacher, she was talking about Lot's wife. She was telling her class, Lot's wife turned around and looked, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Little Johnny's here, he's waving his hand. The teacher called on him. He says, my mother turned around one time when she was driving, turned into a telephone pole. Yeah. Well, today we're going to uh, start a new subject, as it were. We're going to talk about... um, prospering We're going to talk about um, Why God wants to prosper us the purpose for prospering? And it's not that you would have more than somebody else Have a house on both coasts and one in Florida and all that kind of thing and there's nothing wrong with having things and having money but uh, There is something wrong when money has you when it becomes your God. Amen. And that's uh, the case with a lot of people. And um, many people can't handle um, wealth. Um, You know, they just want more of it and they're never satisfied and so on and so on. But God's purpose for prospering is much different than that. And part of prosperity is, uh, that's only part of prosperity anyway. Prospering is a much bigger subject you know um, has to do with our soul and has to do with our spiritual health and all those kinds of things Uh, but we're going to focus today on just one area of that and that's uh, specifically financial prosperity because there's been so many misuses in that area Um, and we'll just look at some things and hopefully In this message, we'll see that God does want to prosper us, and why? And then some particular practical things that we can do to uh, cooperate with God in overcoming a uh, poverty mentality. Uh, You know, it's been spoken about for years in this area, um, this county especially, um, there's like a poverty spirit. And uh, many people who live in this county have this mentality of um, just getting by and so on and so forth. So let's have a prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you that you have made provision for us uh, in every realm, spiritually, physically, financially, um, across the board, in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that um, you're going to add some balance to that today so that we understand that, yes, you do want to prosper us, but for different reasons than the world um, looks at prosperity. So we thank you and praise you for your love and care for us and for people and that you don't want us to do without, that you are a good provider. And we thank you that um, uh, you will give us some insight into how we can cooperate with you today in that area, Lord. So we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, and we invite you, Spirit of the living God, to just minister the life to us from the word that you inspired, minister revelation to us from the word you inspired, that we might understand um, why, why you want to prosper us and how we can cooperate with you um, in that end. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians 9.8, and we're going to probably end up here, uh, look at some more the context and everything uh, toward the end of it. On the 2 Corinthians 9.8, it says this, And God has made th- able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency, all our needs met, in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So God wants to prosper us. The reason he wants to prosper us is so we will have an abundance for every good work, not so we can have a house on both coasts and one in Florida. You know, that's fine if you are doing that and you have all kinds of money and you're uh, using it to um, help others for every good work. But if you're just keeping it for yourself um, that's not God's plan. So the biblical definition for financial prosperity is that you would have enough to meet your needs. You know, there's a scripture that talks about God has never seen his children begging bread. And that you would have enough to help others for every good work. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to help everyone that has a need, but it means you have to help those who God puts on your heart. And that's a big statement, but we have a big God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the first thing we need to do is look at some foundational scriptures um, you know, like I said, prosperity is a much bigger subject than just finances. That's only a small part of prosperity. But we're looking at the, specifically at the financial prosperity end of it today. So we need to look at some foundational scriptures uh, to get get idea of why God wants to bless his children. And the first one is found in um, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25. It says this, Therefore I say to you, Jesus is speaking, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And here's the alternative. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Uh, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So in Matthew 6, he's talking about seeking him first. Now, I can remember when I was young and the children were growing up, um, when they were pretty small, I always worked two jobs. You have to understand, back in those days, you know, four and a half, five dollars an hour was, for a workman uh, without a college education, was an average wage. And so, even though the dollar was worth more then, uh, when you're raising children and feeding three kids, um, you know, it takes money. Um, And, you know, there's our people who have taken this to extreme. They'll say, well, you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm just going to believe God. And they'll stay in bed till noon, you know, and then um, when you call them to wake them up and get them out of bed, they'll say, well, I'm just believing God for everything. That's not how it works. Um, There's a balance to that is found in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten for even when you were with for even when we were with you, we commanded you this: if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So uh, God is saying to us in these two scriptures, to seek him first, put me first, and I will take care of you, but he doesn't expect you to just stay in bed and sleep. He expects you to work. Um, You know he's he's saying if you seek me first and put me first in every area of your life, especially in the area of finances now as we're talking about today, I will take care of you. All the things that the unbelievers worry about I will add to you. See instead of working two jobs that was BC, that was before I was saved, but instead of working two jobs I should have been seeking God and seeking him first, and he would take care of me But I wasn't doing that. I was just seeking to get more dollars to feed the children, see? And so um, it's completely opposite than the world talks about. And there's a good scripture in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 say this. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. That's pretty clear. That's not a parable. And with the first fruits of all your increase. Not the second fruits, not the third fruits. The first fruits of your increase. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So give God the first fruits of your increase. That's talking about your income, your produce. The first fruits. At your barns, your collection area, your banking, we could say, the gathering of your fruit will be filled with plenty. So you can have three houses? No. So you can have an abundance for every good work. That's why God wants to prosper you and I and every one of his children. So we can help each other out when there's a need. So we can help others out that aren't saved um, that would see the love of God in that. One of the things we do overseas is before our evangelism, we go to these little barangays, as I, you've heard me talk about. Uh, we go there a month ahead of time before I get there and they establish our feeding of the children. These are very poor communities. They live from one meal to the next. And so they go there and they feed the children and have a little, teach them to sing uh, Christian songs and stuff like that. And so a month before I get there, they've already done these things. So it's prepared their hearts. And they'll ask them, why do you care about our children? And they'll just tell them, well, God does, and so do we. God loves them, and so do we. And that really speaks to their hearts. And then when we come with the gospel, they're very open to it. So we can say this unequivocally, that God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to others. It's as simple as that. That's why he wants to prosper us. That all of our need would be met, but then that we would have more than we need so we can bless others. Hallelujah. And there's a scripture in uh, Luke 21, 1-4 to that you're all familiar with. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. And that's amazing. She had very little to begin with. She put in two mites. Uh, One mite is one-eighth of one cent in our money today. And one mite was the smallest coin of that era. So she put in two mites, which would have been a quarter of a cent. And Jesus said she put in more than all of these rich people because they gave out of great abundance they gave a little out of their great abundance but she gave all of her livelihood everything she had and I want to share with you a short testimony I was preaching in um, what was I anybody know Quincy Illinois at a church called The Door and The Door was uh, pastored by a friend of mine and it was a church for street people, and they didn't take offerings there normally. And I was um, actually preaching at another church, and the pastor there wanted me to meet the pastor of this church. So he took me down there. This was a Sunday night. And uh, they had a guest speaker there. I don't know if any of you ever heard of Tony Kemp. Um, He's on Sid Roth's um, board of directors one of the vice presidents, he was the guest speaker. He has a church in Hannibal, Missouri, very powerful man of God. And he was gonna teach that night. And so they introduced me to him. And we were trying at that time to raise $300 to build a house for a pastor. The radical Muslims had come in there, shot up his house, it was all full of bullet holes. He wasn't home, nobody was, fortunately. And they lived in an area where there's a big gully there, and then they burned the bridge, so people couldn't get back and forth. So we were trying. For three hundred dollars, you can build them a house. <laughs> of course, we would call it a, a, a machine shed, or you know, somewhere where you'd store your lawnmower. But that's what they live in there. There's no insulation, none of that stuff. And so all it would take was three hundred dollars to put up a house for this guy. And so I'm telling this Tony Kemp that. And we were on our way home. I just met these guys, and and Anita was still working at the time. She had to go to work the next morning. And he said, well, can you stay until we get going in the service? He says, I want to take an offering for that. He says, we don't usually take offerings because these are street people. I says, "Okay." So he brought us up in front, and we're standing there. And he says, just put your hands out. He says, I want you to come and just put money in their hands. And so her and I are standing there, and they're filling our hands with money. These people from the street. And uh, so I gathered it all up and then a guy came over afterwards, uh, he must have been a wealthy street person, he gave me $200. And most of them were singles and some change and stuff like that, it's whatever they happen to have in their pocket because they weren't used to taking an offering. So I just took it home and the next morning I'm in the office and I'm counting it and in in this pile of one dollar bills and stuff, is a little coin purse, about that big. A leather coin purse. And it had a dollar and 83 cents in it. And the Lord brought this scripture to mind. Somebody on the street had a dollar and 83 cents. And that's all they had. And so they gave it in the offering. And they also gave the coin purse. Why do I need a coin purse if I don't have any coins? That's a sacrificial offering. And one guy gave me $200 afterwards, 450s, and this was more than that. Because apparently he could afford to do that, but this person gave everything they had, I believe. And I had tears welling up in my eyes when I saw that. And I still get a little emotional when I talk about it. To me, that's the biggest offering I've ever received. That person gave everything they had, even the coin purse. Because they didn't need it. And it's reminded me of this story of the widow. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to give everything you got, but I'm suggesting you need to give uh, what God tells you to give. Hallelujah. Her motivation, in my opinion, had to be uh, love for God and total trust in God because she had nothing else. Just like this street person. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, I've had people say to me, um, Brother Warren, I can't afford to tithe. You know, I can't afford to give to the church. I'd like to. It isn't that I don't want to. It's in my heart to do it, but I can't afford to do it. And my response to them is you can't afford not to. Amen. Amen. You can't afford not to because Tithing is part of how God prospers us. What he uses to help prosper us. It's part of the whole scenario. And we'll get into that a little bit here. But many, uh, if you're like me, I, I might even say this a stronger word. I might say most. Most people have more vision than pro-vision. Okay? They have more vision than pro-vision. God's asking him to do this or that or the other thing. And it's always way bigger than we are. That's one way you know it's God. And it's always going to cost way more than we can afford. It's another way you know it's from God. Because he wants us to trust him. He has a purpose for us, a vision and a purpose. And then we, uh, to fulfill that, we must have The provision to fulfill that vision. Hallelujah. So to receive the provision to match the vision, um, we must do things God's way. Everything in the Bible, there's my way of doing it and there's God's way of doing it. Amen. And we have to do it God's way. You know, I've tried to do some things in the past my way and they just don't work the results aren't very good. But if we do things God's way, the results are, we get his results. And I've also had people say to me, um, you know, I've been a believer most of my life and I've tied all my life to the church. And it hasn't seemed to make a significant difference in my life. And it should. Because you're being obedient to God, so what I would say to them is to check what you're saying, check what you're proclaiming. Because, as you've heard me say before, words are containers, they're either going to contain faith or they're going to contain doubt and unbelief. If you're saying all the time that I'm just getting by, you know, we don't have enough for this, we don't have enough for that if you're always saying those kinds of things on a regular basis that's the way it's going to be you're prophesying your own doom as it were but if you're uh, uh, proclaiming the Word of God over your finances uh, in agreeing with what the Word of God says that will make a difference over time doesn't happen overnight but it happens over time. Uh, you know that scripture in Proverbs 18.21, we've used it in other messages, um, death and life are in the power of the tongue, it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So in other words, if you're saying that you're just getting by, you're going to eat the fruit of that is what that scripture is saying. You're just going to be getting by, always. And, you know, some people are content there. You know, if you're content where well, you are, um, you know, I'm not going to dispute that. But I want to have more than I need so I can be a blessing to others for for every good work. Amen. And, um, you know, I can remember one time when I was a young Christian, I actually asked God not to give me too much money because I didn't want to, you know, uh, get into that. And uh, since then I've repented of that statement. <laughs> but, um, you know, to fix what you're saying, if you're saying things like I, I, I'm just getting by and this, and this kind of thing, uh, repeatedly you're going to be living that. But to fix it, you need to train yourself to proclaim the Word of God over your finances. Train yourself, it, it, it takes time. Philippians 4.19, you can say things like that. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now Paul here was talking to, the context is Paul is talking to his partners, those that are supporting him. There. He's saying God will meet all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We have to understand that. Everything we ever need has been met in Christ Jesus. It's already a done deal. It is finished. That's what I taught upon at the taught on a on pastor's conference overseas. It just We need to just realize that it's already done. So scriptures like that uh, would be much better to proclaim over your finances than because this is a giving church and you give to missionaries and you give to the church and to each other when there's a need and these kinds of things. So God wants to bless that. So agree with his word over your finances. There's another scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. See, I don't just barely want my need met. I want to have enough to give if somebody has a need. It doesn't have to be thousands of dollars, but something to get them by, to help them out. You know, um, that kind of a thing. And some of these people who are businessmen and are Christians uh, give away lots of money. Some of these big ministries give away tremendous amounts of money. Um, I I could name a TV minister, but I won't name him. Um, uh, He was at a meeting and there was a missionary there and she was saying how much, she needed a bunch of money, but she didn't say how much. And he got with her afterwards and he says, how much money do you need? He was really touched by her, the project they were doing. And she says, well, I'm not going to tell you. She says, if God wants you to give it to me, he will tell you what I need. And so he went back to his place and prayed about that and come in and God told him, and she needed a million dollars. And this is a big TV ministry now, okay? So he went in and worked the next morning. His secretary said, good morning. And the first thing he said to her is just cut a check to that woman for a million dollars. And so he, he paid her a million dollars So you can do that if you have an abundance, amen? Amen. And I'm not saying we all have to be millionaires, but I'm saying in proportion to how God has blessed you. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. And so that was in the end of it. You know, he sowed that money into her ministry. You can believe that God, you cannot give God. You can believe that God really blessed his ministry for that. And they give away cars and sometimes houses, all kinds of things. Now, I'm talking about people that are um, really being blessed by God. So that's one of the things you can do if um, if you've been tithing all your life and you don't see a significant increase, a significant difference that God is blessing you because of that. Check what you're saying. See what you're saying. It needs to agree with the word of God or be the word of God all your finances, one or the other. Another thing you can do is check your heart motivation. Check your heart motivation. What I mean by that is, are you giving legalistically? Because it says in Malachi 3 to do that, not to rob God. We're gonna look at that scripture. Are you giving legalistically? I, if you're like me, I did that for years. Um, when I was in the denominational church, I gave legalistically. We were taught, you have to tithe, you don't want to rob God, and all that kind and I I wasn't giving, my motivation wasn't love for God, my motivation wasn't love for the lost, my motivation was it's illegal, I have to do this, I'm going to get in trouble. So if you're tithing that way, if anybody happens to be tithing for a legalistic reason, um, that will profit you nothing, and uh, I can show you that. In 1 uh, Corinthians 13.3, 1 Corinthians 13.3 says this, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, all right, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Your motivation must be love when you're giving hallelujah otherwise it's going to profit you nothing if we're giving for any other reason it'll profit us nothing and so you can be a good tither you can be obedient in that area but if you're giving for the wrong reason not with the motivation of love for God and love for lost to advance his kingdom um, you know it's going to profit you nothing Now, we've been talking about that scripture in Malachi. Let's look at that. Malachi 3, 8 to 10. This is the one that the denominational church used to teach on. um, Beginning at verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation, bringing all the tides into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field bear fruit of for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So here we can see this famous scripture. Um, Tithing is just part of God's plan to prosper you and I. However, it will profit us nothing if we're doing it in a legalistic manner. This was Old Testament, it was a law in the old testament but we aren't living in the old testament anymore we're living in the new testament so if you're giving legalistically because you have to or grudgingly because it says you have to it will profit you nothing but galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 gives us good news christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So we've been redeemed, as you know, from the curse of the law. Our motivation now for giving is not a legal one, but it's for love for God and for the lost, not a legalistic thing. So now you're going to get somebody who's going to say, aha, that was Old Testament. I don't have to tithe anymore. That was the Old Testament law. I've been redeemed from that. Well, that's half true. You have been redeemed from that. But tithing is more than, was more than a law. And to find out, go to Genesis 14. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 and 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the God of God Most High, professor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So here we have. Uh, a tithe being given 400 years before the law was given. 400 years before the law was given. So tithing, although it's not a um, legal, we're not bound legally by it now, it's a biblical principle that was in place long before um, the law was given. Yes, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but the biblical principle remains. That doesn't change. So giving to God is a biblical principle. Um, we all know the tide means a 10th or 10%. Um, you know, I suggest, this is just a suggestion, but most people look at that as the limit that's not the limit, that's the starting point, 10%. And we'll look at how to do this in a new covenant in a minute. Um, and we can go back even further than that. In Genesis chapter 4, 3 to 7. Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So let's look at that a little bit. This is way, way, way back. The principle of giving goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, offerings to God. God didn't respect Cain offerings. That means that he gazed at it in bewilderment because Cain uh, gave an offering of the fruit, not the first fruits. That's significant. He said you would do well, that means that you would be, um, make well or to be happy, be successful, if you just do the right thing. Abel's offering was respected. He also gazed at that, inspected it and considered it, that it was given with love and compassion abel gave the firstborn or his first fruits he um, he gave it willingly and with love to god Um, you can tell that from the from the hebrew (coughs) cain gave an offering of the fruit but he probably gave it grudgingly abel's going to give this offering so i'm going to give one you know, I don't really want to part with, uh, with this stuff, but um, he did. We must realize that giving is an act of worship, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Giving is an act of worship. Um, you know, I want to make a few recommendations on giving. These are just recommendations. These aren't casts in concrete anywhere. Opposed to just dropping some money in the bucket when it comes by, in the basket, as we have it here. Let me recommend that you um, make your tide out ahead of time. Make it out on payday. If you get paid Friday night, um, before you pay any bills, make out your tide check the very first fruit of your Tide check. My son has done that all his life. And don't ever tell him I told you, but he's a millionaire a couple times over anyway. But he never writes a check until he writes um, on his Tide. It's the first fruits. More importantly maybe, is take some time to pray over it, your offering. So you don't have time to do that if you're making out a check when the basket's coming down a roll. But if you do it on payday or on Saturday night, you have time to pray over your offering. Pray the word of God over it. You know, pray, find some promises that have to do with it. Pray the word of God over it. These are just recommendations now. Another thing you can do, what I like to do, is worship God for it. Thank him for his provision. I thank him that I'm prospering spiritually, physically, and financially. I might not have much money in the bank, but he's always taking care of me. Whenever he wants me to give to somebody else, there's always something there to give. Not millions of dollars like this other guy, but something. Amen. It's pretty quiet in here. (laughs) People don't like to hear about finances but once in a while we need to be reminded of some of these things and you know the one of the big things is you just can't give legalistically. You know that was old covenant it was a law and that's not the case anymore. We'll find out how we're supposed to give in a few minutes. But these are recommendations make out your time on payday or Saturday night. Pray over it, pray the word of God over it, and worship God for his provision for you. And then on Sunday morning, be excited, you know, give it with great joy, uh, with love in your heart, knowing you're going to help advance God's kingdom. You know, we, we should be jumping up and down excited, we get all excited in worship and jump up and down on some of these worship songs. Why can't we do that with, with our giving? You know, we're, we're, we're advanced a little bit. We're, most churches I go into, it's completely silent when it comes to offering time. At least here we clap a little bit and say hallelujah. You know, it isn't much of an offering, but it's something. I think we ought to be jumping up and down excited about it. It's part of God's way of providing for us, prospering us. Hallelujah. You don't have to give, you know, the widow gave two mites. It isn't the amount you give, it's the motivation behind the amount that you give. It needs to be love for God, love for the lost. He cares about people. He would that no one, that all would be saved, that none would perish. For the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom, hallelujah. So that brings up the question, where should we give our tithes? There's been arguments about that. Um, let's go back to Malachi again. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tide into the storehouse. Into the storehouse. Into the storehouse. Into the storehouse. Into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See? That's a promise. But you've got to bring it into the storehouse. So what we've got to find out is, where's this storehouse? Where does he want us to put it? Storehouse means a depository. It's a place where you keep your supplies. Where are you getting fed? That's where your tide should go. You know, there's that old analogy, if you eat at one restaurant, you don't go over here to another one and pay the bill. You pay at that restaurant, amen? So where you're getting fed is where your tide should go. Now, there's people... Um, I wouldn't say this, but God showed it to me in preparing this. There's people in churches in the United States of America that are faithfully tithing to a church that they're not getting fed. And it profits them nothing. And they're bewildered on why, why that is. But they're not getting fed there. It needs to be in your storehouse, your depository, where your spiritual food is coming from. That's where you need to be giving your tithe. Hallelujah. So what is, it brings up another question. You know, you can't find anything from God. Um, If you can't find something in researching, just ask him questions. You have a relationship with him. You know, if I can't find something in the house, I ask my wife where it is. And she'll tell me it's right where you put it. You know, so if you can't find something in your research, just ask God about it. He'll be glad to tell you. He's not keeping secrets from us. So, what is the new covenant guide for the principle of tithing? It's not a legal law anymore, but it's a biblical principle. It was all the way back to Cain and Abel's offering, Abram and Melchizedek. 400 years. That was 400 years before the law was given. To answer that, we want to go back to where we started in 2 Corinthians 9. We'll read a little more of that. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 6. I'm just going to read uh, 6 to 11, and then we'll unpack it. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed the broad; He has given to the poor His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply your seed for for um, supply multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So let's unpack that a little bit. Verse 6 says, the more you sow, the more you reap. We can all understand that. If we had a bare field out here uh, and we sowed um, one pound of seed in there, we would reap what you get back from a pound of seed. If we sowed two pounds of seed, the harvest would be twice as much. Amen? Amen, Amen, somebody? You see that? So what you reap is in direct, is determined by how much you sow. Okay? Amen? So the more you sow, the more you're gonna reap. It's just very plain. Now some people um, can give ten percent. Some people might not be able to give ten percent to start with. But some people might be able to give fifteen. <coughs> some people might be able to give twenty or more. It's what you purpose in your heart to give. <coughs> Verse 7 and let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity of the law for God loves a cheerful giver a cheerful giver is a hilarious giver that means somebody who's willing, good natured, joyful, ready to give the word describes a spirit of anticipation, of enjoyment giving that sweeps away all resistance. Um, It's a very descriptive word. So you decide how much you can give cheerfully. If you can give 10% cheerfully, give 10%. If you can give 15% cheerfully, give 15%. There's a man named J.C. Penney who started a chain of stores many years ago. When I was a kid, that was one of the biggest stores around. And that man gave 90% of his income to the Lord. 90%. But he could give 90% cheerfully. Of course, he made millions of dollars. Who knows how much he was worth. But he didn't start out that way. Amen? You start out with what you can give cheerfully. Hopefully, that would be at least 10%. I consider 10% a starting point. And then you move up from that as as God... Gives you increase over the years. If you, if he, When he gives you increase, say so you have to give first. And then the increase comes. So many people are waiting for the increase to come and then I'll give. That's not how it works. You give first what you can purpose in your heart cheerfully to God. Give it in love as your motivation for God and love for him and for the lost and to advance his kingdom. And you start doing that and you're going to see increase. I can guarantee it. And then when you get the increase, then increase your giving. And then you'll get more increase. And then increase your giving again. That's how J.C. Penney did it. And eventually he was given 90%. I mean, where are you going to get a deal like this? You keep uh, 90% and only give God 10 And if everybody in the church around the world was tithing, Everybody giving at least 10%, it'd be a lot more money to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. And sadly, there's a lot of people um, that aren't giving at all. And you don't have to give 10% if you can't afford it. Start with the widow, she gave 100% to mice. And we don't know the end of this, that story. <clears throat> but God was just teaching us about sacrificial giving. <clears throat> Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency, having your needs met in all things, and you have an abundance for every good work. That was our text. Hallelujah. So it's speaking of trusting God as the widow did. Just trusting God for abundance. Um, and as, as you increase your giving, he will increase um, You just can't outgive give God. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 now, may he who supplies seed to the sower, so God supplies the seed. Here's a problem that some people have. Instead of planting the seed into the kingdom, they eat it. When you eat the seed, there's gonna be no harvest, amen? Amen. Amen. If you don't plant anything, you can't expect the harvest. And so um, he supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. He also supplies the food and multiplies the seed that you have sown. So he's the one who does, does everything and increases the fruits of your righteousness. Righteousness. What does that mean? Increase the fruits of your righteousness. That means your acts of righteousness, the things that you do to help others. It's the lasting results of your generosity, your charitable deeds, which include you know, your tithes and offerings you're giving in that, <coughs> that area. So in closing, God's purpose for prospering you and I is so that we can be a blessing to others. It's to have our needs met, to be a blessing to others, and to advance His kingdom. That's why He wants to prosper us. It takes money to spread the gospel, especially these guys that do these big crusades and stuff, like Billy Graham. It takes a bunch of money. They hire buses and bus people in from their places and all kinds of things. Um, you know, just at my level, it takes money to spread the gospel. Um, not, not, like, not like at their level though. So God wants to prosper so that we can have our needs met, be a blessing to others, and advance the kingdom of God. To receive the provision for God's vision and purpose for us on an individual basis includes uh, having an abundance for every good work. So that means we've got to have more than we need. So in review, we want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Purpose to put God first in every area of your life. And if you haven't been putting him first in your finances, if you've been giving an offering like Cain did, all of the fruit instead of the first fruits like Abel did, change that. Make it the first check you write out. And then proclaim the word over your offerings. Either proclaim the word or proclaim something that agrees with the word. And train yourself, pray over them, worship God for them. These kinds of things. Train yourself to say words of faith. Words that agree with uh, the promises of God. That agree with the word of God. Number three, make sure that your motive is love for God, love for the lost, and advance the kingdom. Don't give legalistically. Don't give so you can get. It's not wrong to expect a harvest, but that's not the reason you're giving. You're giving out of love for God and love for the lost and to advance his kingdom. You know, give your first fruits, as I said, um, Purpose in your heart. How much you can give joyfully. Because anything that you can't give cheerfully will profit you nothing. You have to give it cheerfully or it will profit you nothing. Hallelujah. So it's very important. Um, you know, if, if it isn't 10%, just start wherever you're at. Two, three, four, five 5%. Start there. If you can give that cheerfully, do that. And then God will give you the increase. And then... You can go to 10% and then eventually 15 and then 20 and who knows, maybe you'll be given 90% someday. It's hard to say. <clears throat> and Give into your storehouse. Give where you're being spiritually fed. Give into your storehouse. Purpose to live to give, not live to get like the world does. The world lives to get more money, more cars, more houses, more stuff. Live to give, to get people into the kingdom instead of living to get. Amen? Amen. I hope this sheds a little bit of light on giving. And remember, prosperity is a very big subject. Uh, financial prosperity is only part of it. But <clears throat> this tithing thing is part of how God wants to prosper us. So what I'd like you to do is all stand up if you can. If you have trouble standing up, don't worry about it. We're going to make a couple proclamations, so I'll just read you the proclamation first and then we'll all say it together. Lord, I purpose to cooperate with you in the area of finances, all right, you ready? Lord, I purpose to agree and proclaim your word over my finances. Lord, I purpose to give with a joyful heart of love. Lord, I purpose to trust you you. for an abundance abundance for every good work. Amen.